The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. And so we, you know, we've been talking a lot in this series, how does the kingdom move? Um, how does it move to conquer new t- territory? And what is the territory in the kingdom? Um, because it's not a geographical thing, though it does go into geographical places Primarily, when we think in terms of the the kingdom and the territory that will be conquered in the kingdom, it's the lives of people. Because as the the kingdom comes into a new person and they're transformed into a new creature, these are all the things we sing about, we're praying about, we're talking about. Scripture teaches us that we go through transformation. A person becomes a new creature. Then wherever that person goes, the kingdom goes. And so as the uh, territory of the heart is conquered then geographically the kingdom can move into different places. And so when we we think about these people in Acts and how the kingdom is moving, you can't get away from the fact that these people are full of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Like every time we see them, like Stephen, this guy that gets martyred and he's just preaching, man, and he's giving them the word and he's stoned for his faith. What do we know about him? He was full of the Holy Spirit. He is full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. We look uh, at Philip last week, and we continue on studying some more about Philip today. Um, not Philip the Apostle. Philip, just a, a layman in the church, was full of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. is that When we start to think about being full of the Holy Spirit, and we look at what we're going to talk about today, and I, I challenge you all the time to, to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Why do I do that? Because the Scripture teaches us that we are to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Um, over and over and over, we hear this. We, we, we see that Jesus said that it was expedient that I go away. Because I'm going to send, what? The Holy Spirit. And what is he going to do? He's going to do all of these things to enable us to advance, what? His kingdom in the hearts and lives of people. And so we, we, when we think in terms of how this works and, and what does it look like, sadly, when we see somebody who's full of the Holy Spirit, they sort of captivate of our attention. And we go, man, I wish I could be like that. I I wish I could be more like that person and walk in the fullness of the Spirit. That's exactly what you're supposed to be. Like for for the believer, it should not be uncommon for us to be experiencing things that are bringing brought about in our lives because of the fullness of the Spirit. It should be uncommon when that is not happening. But we're living in an age where we're sort of, you know, I talked about how um, uh, last week when, when those, those evil spirits were departing the people with shrieks, and we don't see that kind of stuff anymore. And, and why is it? It's because the enemy is very crafty in how he captivates people. And, and, and the, where we're living today is, is not so much about frightening people with demon possession. It's about lulling people to sleep and distracting them with all kinds of things that have nothing to do with the kingdom. So that we are captivated by stuff that will not fill us with the Spirit. We're captivated by goods and activities and and pleasurable experiences that in and of themselves we could look at and say, there's nothing sinful in that stuff. 
except for the fact that it's pulling us away from the kingdom. And so the kingdom is not advancing in our lives, and therefore there's no new territory conquered for the king, which is exactly what a servant should be about doing. This is why Jesus said, Seek ye first what? The kingdom of Christ, and all these other things shall be added unto you. Our problem is, is we're seeking first our own kingdom and hoping that the kingdom of Christ will be added to us, and it'll never work that way. And so when we see somebody who is filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we're kind of enamored by them. We're like, wow, I wish I could be more like that. You can be more like that. You're supposed to be more like that. That is to be the norm about you as a follower of Jesus. And so when we think about what does it look like to be full of the Holy Spirit, um, we need to think in terms of, I think for an illustration, it's best for us to think in terms Uh, of a funnel or a spillway versus a reservoir. Like a reservoir is made to hold and contain. Um, but But a spillway is designed to pour out and let things pass through. And so when we think in terms of, okay, man, the Lord has come into me. I need to see myself as a funnel. Philip, we, we, we looked at him last week. He was a funnel for the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit was constantly pouring through him because he was letting things out. And and so when we think in terms of walking in the fullness of the Spirit, there are two very important terms um, in the Bible when it comes to, to, to New Testament theology. There is the indwelling of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit. All believers are indwelt, but all believers may not be filled. What's the difference? Well, the indwelling of the Spirit is that when we contain the Spirit of God, He is in us. We are forgiven of our sins. We have died to ourselves. And now Jesus is our Lord. To walk in the fullness of the Spirit is to walk in a place of surrender and obedience where Jesus is leading us and constantly we're surrendering and dying to uh, ourselves on a daily basis. To me, it's kind of hard to understand um, or fathom why a person would uh, be indwelt and not want to be filled. (laughs) But I get it because I've walked in that before. I know there was a time in my life where I was indwelt with the Spirit of God, but I was not walking in the fullness of the Spirit of God. And it's not a good place to be. It is is a very miserable place. And the only way to walk away from that post-salvation, once you've met the Lord, is to recklessly abandon to him and allow him to have his way and realize that, man, I am a funnel and he wants to fill me, consistently pouring into me because I am consistently pouring out. And the only way that the Lord will consistently pour in is if we are willing to consistently pour out. And so we look at Philip as a funnel and what do we see? Because he was a funnel, he's going through some hard times. Stephen is martyred for his faith. The church Um, All of the Hellenistic Jews scatter from Jerusalem because they are being targeted by the Hebraic Jews who are still in control. Um, The Pharisees target them like they're transplants. And so they go after them first. And so those people scatter back to who knows where. And so where does Philip go? He goes down to Samaria. Why does he go there? Two reasons. One, Jesus said that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Samaria and in Judea, and throughout the uttermost part of the earth. That was one reason. What's the Lord doing down there? The other reason is, those Hebraic Jews, and all Jews, hated the people who lived in Samaria. 
There was a racial um, uh, prejudice that existed between those people. So it was a good place to go to know that they weren't going to find you because they weren't going there. They would go around that city. So he finds himself first, um, as he's listening to the Lord, going down to Samaria, and he's used to take the gospel there. The Lord starts using him as he's telling his story. The next thing you know, a revival breaks out. Peter and John go down to confirm the, uh, the revival, and, and we see that the Spirit of the Lord breaks out in a very powerful way, and the city of Samaria is conquered for the kingdom. New territory um, is conquered. Now, what happens? Well, what happens next is he ends up taking the gospel to Gentiles. And so that's what we're going to look at today is how Philip, the evangelist, was used uh, to be the first person to take um, the gospel first to the uh, Samaritans, which were known at that time as half-breed Jews, and then to Gentiles, which were non-Jewish people completely. And so we see him doing that. Now, it's vital for you to, to walk in the Holy Spirit and to allow the, the Lord to use you as a funnel to fill others. If he's not doing that, then there's a certain amount of kingdom work and kingdom territory that is not being conquered, first and foremost, in your own life. Right? Every, every time the Lord gives you a new um, freshness and a new filling of the Holy Spirit in your life, then the new territory is conquered for the kingdom. Because you're learning consistently how to um, surrender more and more of your life to the Lord. And therefore, more and more of uh, the Lord's kingdom is a part of your life. But it also begins to impact and flow out of you. Because you can only contain so much Jesus. Did you know that? Like, man, I, I go through these times, man, where I'm just like on fire for the Lord. Like, if it, and sometimes it feels like if it gets any better, I will just explode. And I'm thankful that the Lord kind of backs off of that because sometimes I just, it just feels that good and it, it, it's not that way all the time. And, and so he backs off and gives a little breather, but then he comes back in and he gives a move again. And this is the way the Lord works. And so what should be happening is, is that as the Lord is filling us, then things should be coming out of us and impacting those around us. And so your children should be impacted by how you are filled with the Spirit. Are devotions important? Yes, they're extremely important. But if I were going to say you do one of two things and you only could choose one out of these two in your house, whether you do devotions every night or whether you walk in the fullness of the Spirit, I'm always going to pick walking in the fullness of the Spirit because it doesn't matter how much a kid learns if they can't watch and see what mom and dad is doing. But when they see you walking in the fullness of the Spirit, then it begins to be caught instead of taught. And then you can couple the two together, and there's real power in, in the midst of that. And so we, we walk in the fullness, and to be a funnel versus a reservoir, the good news is Jesus taught us how it works. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go back, and I'm going to show you some things that Jesus taught specifically about the role of the Holy Spirit. And what does it mean to flow? And then we're going to look in Acts chapter 8, and we're going to go back to our text, and we're going to see exactly this is what happened. So already what we see in Acts is everything Jesus said that would happen during the power of the Spirit has started to happen. Like the kingdom just starts breaking out. They're doing greater works than Jesus. Remember Jesus said, you marvel because of these things, you will, you know, you will do greater things than I did. What does that mean? It means that we're going to take the gospel to places that Jesus never did because he was located uh, in a specific region for a specific amount of time. And what he was doing was making a way so that he could be in people all over the planet 
and they would advance the kingdom for him. And so we see over and over, uh, all the way through these first eight chapters, we've seen that the things that Jesus said would happen, they keep happening. And so what did Jesus say would happen for us when it comes um, to the Holy Spirit? And how do we, what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit uh, versus just indwell? We are flowing when the Holy Spirit speaks through us. Like the Holy Spirit says things through us. Look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter 13, verse 11. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at that time, for um, it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. And what have we seen? We've seen over and over, Peter is in these places. Philip has been in these places. They don't know what's coming. All of a sudden, they're in these, this experience where they're standing before people, and they're listening to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is speaking through them. Even when I prepare a sermon, like I, I prepare, I get my notes, I know kind of what I want to say, I get some creative ways to hopefully give you some hooks to hang some, some meat on that you'll, you'll, you know, it'll be sticky for you. But the bottom line is, is I, I'm on my knees before the Lord saying, Lord, I can't do anything for these people unless you speak through me. And so I look for the Lord to do that. And so the Lord will show up and he will speak through me and things will come out of my mouth that have nothing to do with my notes and people go away. And I don't know how God is speaking to you in a particular way about a particular thing in your life. One of the things that's so funny is like, man, people will walk out and say, man, you, you, you must have read my mail. It's like, I haven't read your mail. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't even know what I said that spoke to you, Okay. That is the Spirit of the Lord moving in the midst of your life and using me as a conduit, as a funnel, to speak to you. Now, this is in a sermon, but this happens all the time. Happened to me this past week, man. I just struck up a conversation with a guy, and next thing you know, we're talking about spiritual things. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about how will I witness for the Lord. What does it say? Do not worry about what you will say. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Walk in the fullness. And when the time comes, just open your mouth and start talking. And if you're walking with the Lord, what will happen is you will witness for him and the kingdom will come out of you. That's the way it works. So we're scared to death. Oh, man, the pastor wants me to witness. No, I don't want you to witness. I want you to walk in the fullness of the Spirit so that other people can witness you walking in the fullness of the Spirit. Those are two different things. Like evangelism can't just be a strategy that we go about thinking, oh, well, I'm going to try to figure out how I do this so that I know I share the gospel. You are the gospel. <laughs> like that's what we are. Our lives have been touched by the gospel. And if we're walking in the fullness of Jesus, then we're walking in the fullness of the gospel. And we are a witness by the way that we're living. So it's not something that we try to do. It's something that we are. And so the, how do we know we're flowing? The Holy Spirit is speaking through us. We are flowing when the Holy Spirit reminds us to act. Like look at what Jesus says in John 14, 26. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I said to you. Like he will teach us and he will remind us. This word remind comes um, from the Greek word hupomenesco, meaning to cause one to remember, to remind. It is an indication of, of an action that causes an action. And so the, how do we know we're flowing? The Holy Spirit, man, we'll, we'll be doing something and all of a sudden we'll feel a nudge. And we'll be prompted if we're in, walking in the fullness and he will just tell us to do something. It could be as simple as buying a drink for someone at Starbucks, uh, going over to your neighbors, taking them, uh, 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 you know, some banana bread. 
Like if you get a nudge from the Lord, you never know what that might turn into. It could be saying yes to a dinner date, um, inviting someone to your home, just because you feel prompted. And so this is what it means to work, uh, or to walk in the Holy Spirit, is to, in the fullness, is to listen for him to remind me of things that, that need to, to happen and to take action in that. And also to know that as I'm reading the word, it's good to memorize scripture. I'm a firm believer in that. But I don't think you have to memorize all scripture to be able to recall what the scripture says. Is that sometimes you might be in a conversation with somebody, and if you're in the Word, what this verse teaches is that you can expect the Holy Spirit to prompt you, bump you, and remind you of what you read and share that with somebody. And it'll just come out the way that it's supposed to come out. Why? Because you are a part of the kingdom. You belong to the king, and now you're doing the king's business. And Jesus is more interested in capturing that heart of the person that you're uh, 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 trying to reach for the kingdom than he is in anything else. Like, that's what he wants to do is advance the kingdom. And so he will remind us, and he often will do that. And you don't have to worry about that you can't recite the chapter and verse. You can find it later, okay? Just remember the idea. Truth is truth. Okay, and communicate that truth and don't let the devil freak you out about, man, you can't get it exactly right. You don't have to get it exactly right because Jesus already did. Right. All we got to do is deliver. We got to be the funnel. We got to walk in the fullness and let him flow through us. Let him remind us and and, and cause us to take action. The idea is that the, the Holy Spirit is in the midst of it now. Immediately following the teaching about the Holy Spirit here in John 14, we get this verse that, man, we try to live by at the church. It's John chapter 15. Verse 5, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so what is Jesus saying? Like He's saying, man, apart from him, we can do nothing. But with him, we can move mountains and flow. Like the Holy Spirit can flow through us. And how does it happen? It happens by consistently having a time where I sit with the Lord and I'm sitting in the word, like I'm reading the word, I'm thinking about the word, and I'm listening to the Lord and I'm talking to him about things that are happening around me. And we call that prayer. And that is abiding, remaining with the Lord. It is the Greek word meno. It means to hang out, to tarry, to wait a little while, like to abide with the Lord. And so when we think in terms of, okay, man, I want the Lord to speak through me. I want the Lord to remind me to act. Then you got to hang out with him. you got to have some time that you reserve for him. That is a, a place and a time where you go and sit with the Lord where he can minister to you and he can fill you up so that you can flow out. Okay, that's the way that it's not hard. It's not rocket science. It takes discipline. Um, but it's not a difficult thing for us to, to be a part of. And so we're, we're flowing um, when he speaks to us, when he reminds us to act, and we are flowing when he guides us. Look at uh, John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, what will he do? He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. <laughs> Think about that, man. 
Like all of the things that have occupied our time in the last week, and if we believe that Jesus Christ is God, which I, I, I believe that most of us do, some of us may be wrestling with it a little bit, but we believe that, then Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit will speak to us and he will make things known to us. He will guide us. He will, he will reveal things to us. He will guide us along the way. And so like that, all of the stuff that we did last week, and then we ask ourselves, how long did I hang out with Jesus? How long did I spend time with the very one who's telling me that he will guide me? Like he will, I can set my path. I think the proverb says a, a man um, decides his way, but the Lord guides his path. And so even on the way that the Lord will, like he will fulfill the desires of our heart if we commit our way to him, okay? So as we do those things, the Lord is concerned about like doing things that, allowing us to be a part of things that we really enjoy because he's the one that created us to enjoy those things. So the things that we really enjoy, he really enjoys when he is totally in control of our lives. And so he will guide us in the midst of that, and the kingdom can be advanced as he's guiding us if we're sitting with him and listening to him. Um, here, here's uh, uh, the next one. We are flowing when the Holy Spirit makes things known to us. I, this one is really cool. The Lord taught me this a couple of years ago, but in John 16, 15, a couple of verses later after the guiding verse, he says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Now, what does that mean? The first thing that we have to answer in order to um, like understand this verse is what does Jesus own? What does, what does Jesus, what belongs to him? He says, all that belongs to me, I will make known to you. Well, we know that when Jesus was walking on earth, one of the things that it says, the son of, he said of himself, the son of man has no place to lay his head. He didn't have a home. Like personal possessions were not important to Jesus. What were? People. That's what he owns. So when he says, I will make it known to you, I think it's all about people. What does that mean? I think it means when we're walking in the fullness of the Spirit and we're listening to him and allowing him to speak through us and guide us and remind us that he will make things known to us. He will make known to us people that are ready to receive the word of the gospel. That's what's important to him. And so we can expect that the Holy Spirit will take us on this journey, and it's a very fascinating experience to be a part of that the Lord is leading us in and out and through these things, and he's making known to us by saying, revealing to us, here is a person that is a person of peace for the gospel that is ready to receive some truth. They may not come all the way. They may only, you may only move the needle just a little bit. But if that's your job and you're, you're, you're claiming territory by raising their spiritual temperature and getting them to think spiritual things about who Jesus is, then that's, that's wonderful, man. The kingdom is moving through you. And, and so here's what happens when you engage in those things. The final thing is when we are flowing, the uh, Holy Spirit pours out joy around us. Okay? Look at John 15, 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be what? Complete. So, so anytime the kingdom is moving around us, the result is joy is showing up there. And the rejoicing takes place. That's one of the reasons that worship is an, an important part for the body to come together on a weekly basis and sing 
It's just an expression of the joy that we're, we're, we're walking in throughout the week. And so we express our hearts of joy. So now, <clears throat> as we look at this, and we think in terms of Philip, the funnel, he models the flow. So let, let's look at Acts chapter uh, 8, verses 26 um, through, I think, verse 40. Now, keep in mind, this is all that Jesus said. This is the way it works. And now Luke is being used of the Lord to write an account of what happened in Philip's life, uh, who was a believer in the New Testament church. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, now, what had Philip been doing? He'd been leading a revival in Samaria. He was the sole person, funnel, if you will, used to start the revival in a city. Turned the city upside down. The leading spiritual influencer was Simon, and now Simon is following Philip, and we see that he, he is a fraud and, and thing he's dealt with and so on and so forth. But the people ha- are being baptized and they're beginning to, to, to follow Jesus. And Philip is the conduit that is used for that. So he's right in the midst of it. And it says that now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. You see, there's a nudge there. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he asked, unless someone explains it to me. Hello, open door. Like, this is the way it works. And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And the eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? And the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself? Or someone else. Now, this was written by the prophet Isaiah 400 years before the time of Jesus. And it says that Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way, what? Rejoicing. There's the joy. And so Philip, however, appeared in Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. And so what do we learn from that? Well, first of all, it's important to understand the dynamic of what's going on. Philip has preaching and he's been preaching in Samaria and and he's listening to the Holy Spirit. That's how he got to Samaria in the first place. He's listening to the Lord and he ends up finding himself down in Samaria. So he's flowing. And then he's spoken to by the Holy Spirit again. And he's given specific directions to go south. But not only to go south, go south to what road? The desert road. Like, there are two roads that went to Gaza, and this is the one no one took, and that's why they called it the desert road. Like, this is not the way, maybe it was an old way a long, long time ago, 
but everybody avoided this road. And, and so it's just not the way that people traveled. And so that it says that um, he, he goes south on the desert road, and, and then he starts out, and, and he's led to travel there. So what, what, do we, what are the takeaways from that? Just real quickly, think about this. He is in the midst of a revival that has broke out in the city under his direction. People are getting saved. Movement is happening. And the Lord says, go to the desert. Who's going to take care of this, Lord? I'll do that as soon as I can get maybe Peter and, Jane, or Peter and John will go back to Jerusalem. They'll send me some help. And when the help gets here, then I'll go. See, that's the way we work. But the Lord told him to go. Go down to the desert road. Go down to the place where no one else goes. It would be absurd for him to do this, to leave a thriving ministry and walk down the desert road. But he was flowing. And what happens? He goes to the desert road, and on his way, he meets someone. And it just so happens to be the secretary of finance for Ethiopia. Big deal for flowing in Philip's life. Big deal for the kingdom. And so as he gets there, then he gets a nudge from the Holy Spirit. Hey, just, hey bro, get up close to that, that chariot. I don't know, Lord, man. There's people all around that chariot. He's got an entourage. That's the Secretary of Finance. Man, they might arrest me. They might be profiling me and know that I'm a, a Hellenistic Jew, and they might take me out. That's the way we think. What does he do? What did Philip do? He ran. Luke tells us he ran. Like he ran up close to the chariot. And once he, once he gets there, what happens? He hears the guy reading from the Old Testament. He's reading from the book of Isaiah. And so as he's reading, what does he do? Now, this is what I love about this story. The, Philip doesn't, uh, the Spirit doesn't do anything here. At this point, he is clued in on the Lord is at work. And so he just asks a question. He already knows the Lord is in it. And so now he sees that the Lord is working in the midst of this. And so he says, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy is just frustrated as all get out. How can I unless someone explains it to me? Now, Philip has left and he's going to, he's left this active ministry. He's walking down the desert road. And as he's walking down the desert road, he encounters the secretary of finance. He's probably wondering why when he gets on the desert road, why am I on the desert road? I could be back there ministering to all those people. And now he finds himself sitting in the limo, right? The guy says, come on up here. I need you to explain this to me. So now no longer is he walking down the desert road. He's riding down the desert road in style in the chariot, probably eating some grapes and cheese and talking about the gospel. Okay, all because of why? Because he was willing to allow the spirit to flow through him. And so he, he starts to share with him um, uh, the gospel. And he says, man, this, this is the prophet Isaiah. He's talking specifically about Jesus. He's talking about the Messiah. Jesus said, let me tell you about this time that Jesus stood up in the temple and he, he, he read from the prophet Isaiah and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled. Jesus was the Messiah, and he died on the cross for the salvation of the world. He shed his blood for our sins, and, and he is the lamb. That's the reason it's talking about he is led as a lamb to the slaughter, and he doesn't say a word. It's because, uh, bro, he wanted to die for you. Like, that's why you're reading this in Isaiah. It's not by chance I'm in your chariot right now. And so he begins to share the gospel with him, and, and, and the guy ends up getting saved. I'm sure during that um, telling of the gospel, he tells him, he said, men, you, you need to believe in Jesus. You need to repent. You need to give your life to Jesus, and then you need to be baptized. And the guy, man, he's just taking it all in. Why? Because nobody can come into the kingdom unless 
the Father draws the person first. We already know the Lord was drawing this guy because he was going to Jerusalem to try to worship God. He was a God-fearer. We'll see another one a little bit later in the story of Cornelius. He's a God-fearer. He's someone who, who believed in God, wanted to know God, but wasn't quite sure and didn't understand the truth yet. And so he hadn't come to life in Christ. And so he, he was a person that was perfect to be sharing the gospel with. So he's hungry. And so Philip is just sharing the good news with him. And he tells him about baptism. And they're taking and they're eating their grapes, grapes and cheese. And they're riding down, man. And, and they're just happy. And all of a sudden, the, the eunuch out of the Ethiopian, he looks out the window and he sees some water. And he says, there's some water right there. Could you baptize me right now? He says, why not, man? And they get out and he goes down and they baptize him right in front of the whole entourage. I'm not sure why we delay baptism so much because the people I see in the New Testament who are transformed by the Spirit of the Lord, man, they are eager to get in the water and follow the Lord in baptism. Like they want people to know, I've been impacted by the King and His kingdom. I'm no longer the same and I want everybody in the entourage to know I now belong to Jesus. And so that's what is going on with this guy. And so then what happens is um, uh, uh, that, that Philip uh, is, is taken away and after he baptizes him, and the Ethiopian um, is left rejoicing with joy. Now, Irenaeus is a church father. We don't know, the, the, the word doesn't teach us anything else about this guy. But the early church fathers, Irenaeus was one of the early church fathers, and he writes about this guy. And guess what he says about this Ethiopian? He went back to Ethiopia and became a missionary for the gospel. And the gospel went into Africa because of this right here. I see you shall go to the uttermost part of the world. And so Philip um, is used, like just by walking in obedience and allowing the Spirit to flow through him, he's used to take the gospel into Samaria, and then he's used to take it into um, Africa, and he doesn't even know that it's taken. He's just taking it to a guy who takes it there because the kingdom moves through people, and new territory is conquered in the lives of the people. And when that life is conquered, wherever they go, the kingdom goes. Okay? And so like, we look at this, and, 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 and we see Philip, he received Holy Spirit direction, and he acted on it, and he got more information along the way. He didn't have all of this lined out. He didn't know he was going to meet the Secretary of Finance when he walked in obedience and went and left a movement to go to the desert road. But he didn't know that. He didn't know that until he got there. And so what does that mean? It means that, that in order for us to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and allow him to continue filling us and using us and pouring out in us, we've got to be listening. It's just like when you download um, software on your computer, man. Whoop, it says, it pops up there and it says, you know, this is the install feature. Would you like to install? Well, you could sit there and look at it all day long or you could say yes. And then what happens? Then it brings up another screen. It says, this will do this, and it will go in this folder. Would you like to put it in this folder? You can sit there and look at it, or you can say yes or next. And you just click next, 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 and eventually you start using the software. Okay? The same as, the, that's the way it works in the kingdom. The Lord says, here it is. And some of you are still looking at something he showed you 10 years ago. And you can't get any movement in your life with the Lord because he's still waiting on you to click next so we can go to the next window. 
And he could keep installing in your life the things that he wants in order for you to accomplish what it is that he has designed you to accomplish. Okay, so he's, he, he's, he's, Philip has displayed some divine boldness in an intimidating situation because he's, the spirit is just like moving in him. Man, I want to tell you something. Uh, like the spirit moves and the more full you are with the spirit, the easier it is to be bold. Okay, so you ask me something after church, and me and Shay have talked about this. You ask a question after church, man, you're going to get, wow! Because we just walked off the stage, man. The Lord has been speaking through us, okay? And so there, like when the Lord starts moving in our lives and he starts rolling, like it, it is a cool experience to have the Lord speak through you in a sermon. Well, it's not any different, man. I, as a matter of fact, I get more juiced over when the Lord uses me to speak into a person's life and I have an experience where the Lord is opening up doors and it's obvious that he's taking the gospel into someone's life and he's using me me to do it and I can just see him working in the midst of it and I keep getting bolder and bolder in the midst of the experience that I'm having with the Lord and so you can expect that to happen and so we see that because he was sensitive to the direction of the Holy Spirit and he acted out, acted out um, in boldness, the gospel opened up to Ethiopia, and this is flowing at its finest. Now, that's really cool, man. Now, brace brace yourself for this, this word of truth for you today. That is exactly what your life should look like. Like, that's not a special case. There's a reason this is written in the word for us. There's a reason that Jesus goes through and says, this is what's going to happen. This is why I'm dying. This is why I'm taking away your sin. This is why I'm going to come and live in your life so that I can move in the midst of physical people all over the planet and my kingdom can be established. Remember when Pilate came to him and said, are you a king? He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my, my people would be fighting. He was saying, my kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. You have no idea what I'm about to do as I move in the lives of people. And so what I want to do for you today is just challenge and encourage you to listen for the Holy Spirit's direction and act boldly this week. Here's the big idea. Flowing is boldly acting on divine direction. That's all it is. It's just acting on the direction that the Lord is giving you in your life. Now, what I like about um, this story is verse 27. Look at verse 27. It says, Philip started out. He started out, okay? And, and we have to start at some point. So he, he's told to do something, so he started out. I want to remind you that Philip started out, remember, when we met him on that day, when it felt like everything was falling apart in his life. People were being arrested. Saul was out to destroy the church. And so he flees for his life. And, and, and now he finds himself into a place that no Jew wanted to go. So he went to a place that no Jew wanted to go. And then he's asked to go to a desert road. And then he's miraculously transported to this place called uh, Azotus. And finally, he makes his way to Caesarea. That's how the story ends with Philip. We'll see one more thing about him and about his family later on in, in Acts. But Caesarea is where he ended up making his home. So what does that tell us? It tells us as we're listening to the Lord, he will get us where we're we're destined to be. If we will just continue trusting and listen, even if he asks us 
to go to a place where we don't want to go. Even if he asks us to go to a desert road, he eventually get, will get us to the place that we call home and we absolutely love. That's what the Lord is showing us in, in, in this passage. And so I want to close with, um, uh, like, <laughs> I hate, like, I hate putting gasoline in things with a gas can. I hate it. Like, it's, it's just messy, right? But when you get a funnel, a good funnel, the job is a lot better. And so if you don't have a funnel, what do you do? You end up making a mess. You're getting gas all over the lawnmower and everything else. And, 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 and it takes more time. It's hard. But you got a funnel, man. You just flow it out. Okay, so, so, so a funnel, like that, I think the Lord looks at us that way. He goes, man, I'd like to use that guy right there, but if I do, I'm just going to make a mess. Like, because he won't listen. He won't listen to me. And so he's looking for people who are walking in obedience. Now, here's the second thing. If you don't take the gas that is in the can and use it, what happens to it? It just breaks down. So if you put the gas in the can and you let it sit there for two years and then you put it in your lawnmower, guess what happens to your lawnmower? Lots of problems because the gas is not fresh. It's old. And so it just fouls up the carburetor so we can make no progress. Now, so when we look at this, what is the Lord saying here? He's saying, man, you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. He needs to flow through you. And the only way he will flow through you is if you're constantly allowing him to pour out of you. And as he's pouring out of you, then the ministry of the kingdom will happen around you and great joy will break out in your life. And so following Jesus is not like a religious thing. Following Jesus becomes the most important thing in your life. And you wouldn't do anything any other way because your life now has meaning. And so what I want you to do today, like what I, what I want you to think about today is, where is starting out for me? Like, for you, maybe, maybe it's like not trying to pour what's in you out to another person. It could be, I think my fuel's a little bad. I got to dump this stuff out, confess to the Lord and say, I'm sorry, Lord, ask him to forgive you and let him give you a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. For you, starting out could be, Maybe he doesn't even indwell you. He can't fill you if he doesn't indwell you. And so you've got to be able to contain Jesus. He's got to be in you before you can be filled with him. And so how do we do that? Well, we confess that Jesus is the Christ, that he is God in the flesh, that we know we're sinners, that there's nothing we can do to make ourselves right with him other than receive him as the gift of God that he is. And, and we just confess, I know I need you, Jesus. I'm sorry for my sin. Would you forgive me and come into my life? And that's what we call being born again. We're transformed into new people. So it's not about going to church. It's about knowing Jesus. And once you know Jesus, what, you want to be in church because you want to be around some other people who know Jesus. What you don't want to be around is religious people. No offense, but I can't stand religious people, man. They get on my nerves. Because like, I know that's just a fraud. But I think I'm walking like Jesus because he didn't like religious people either. What I want to see is has a person's life been captivated by the Son of God? And are they different? Have they been transformed? 
And man, and so like then those people, man, when you're transformed, you can hang out with anybody. You can hang out with lost people. You can hang out with saved people. You can hang out with anybody, man. And they will see the spirit of the Lord in you. And so like, like what maybe starting out for you is just saying, I don't know that I even know Jesus. I may know religion or something else, but I don't know if I, I know Jesus the way he's talking about today. And so maybe starting out as, man, I, I just need to start acting in boldness. I need to start running up toward the chariot. I need to be listening to the Lord and doing what he's asking me to do. And as you will listen and just click that next thing, man, the Lord will show you more and more. And so I want you to take um, just a few minutes. I'm going to sit down here. Corey's going to play a, just a little bit of music and just sit with this truth just for a moment and listen to the, to the Lord. Listen to the Holy Spirit right now. Like, what is he saying to you about starting out with the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life? Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.